Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for... This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. What episode is this? Every time. No, I'm not. I'm, I was, you don't need to put this on there. I, I, I was asking you like before we were recording. Okay, I'll cut this out. But we're no, at, leave it in. Leave it in. We're at episode twenty-two. Dude, this is season two, episode twenty-two. Never not run pod twenty twenty-three. We're back, baby. We are back, and it's. We took a hiatus. We were gone for what two months. We were gone for two months and everyone freaked out. Yeah, we needed a recovery period. Everyone thought we had disappeared. Everyone thought NNR had hung up their shoes, put their hat in the closet, threw their watch in the trash. The stress fractures got to us, but... We're back, baby. And boy, are we back because today's guest, yeah, he's... It reminds me of why I love doing this pod because... Wit Weisbrom is he's awesome. He had so many amazing stories from his days as a through hiker and an ultra runner, and just I mean, yeah, I don't know. Would you want to touch on any of the things he brought up? We, I, I, we touch on a lot in the pod. Um, Wit and I know each other from our time in the punk rock world. He had a band called The Wild, and I had a band named Chodo Ghetto. Um, and we met through our friend Jeff Rosenstock and shared record labels. And just over the years, I started to see he was getting into running and I was getting into running around the same time, but he was getting into running in a whole other way. He was uh, just completing all these incredible feats and hiking trails and, you know, Pacific Crest to, you know, the Moab. I would just see him talk about all of these on his Facebook and it just, it was coming time for us to get him on the pod and boy, oh boy, were we lucky. Yeah. I found out about wit unrelated to you actually, just from nerding out and being a fan of, of through hiking and FKT attempts. Uh, I saw wit in a documentary about a FKT attempt on the Arizona trail and then noticed that he was following NNR. But for those that don't know, but FKT stands for fastest known time. So it's, people that uh, set out on these kind of established routes where they, yeah, they just try to go as fast as possible. A lot of them are um, longer than normal, longer than like a marathon, let's say. But yeah, just these, like traditionally a trail you might hike or backpack on. And yeah, these people just go as fast as they can for as long as they can. I learned a lot, actually. There's a lot of that world I didn't know that I learned about in this pod. Um, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Uh, so this is episode 22 of the Never Not Run pod. I'll just dive right into it. Dude, how are you, man? What's going on? I haven't seen you for forever. <laughs> it's been a long time, man. Yeah, it's good to see you. Um, things have been good. Um, you know, kind of like been on this running uh, long trail 
adventure life for uh, a few years now. Um, it was, you know, kind of like a natural uh, transition out of punk rock into this, you know, just like yeah. having to make time for this type of stuff and, uh, you know, holding down shitty jobs for the flexibility. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, and it's kind of like a DIY effort to, to make this stuff happen. So um, not not that far off from what I was doing before, just uh, instead of music, it's it's been running. So. I love it. Yeah. We have a bunch of questions in regards to that. And so we, we want to get into all of them. But um, I guess just to start, like, I'm really glad you're here. It's really good to see you. Um, you know, just for the listeners, Whit and I do know each other through the punk rock world. Our bands uh, did play one show, I believe, together. But we have a ton of mutual friends in the punk rock in, uh, scene. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock, uh, just to name a few. Um but you were in a band called The Wild. I had a band called Chodo Ghetto, kind of punk rocky DIY spirit. And uh, yeah, that's so true. Going into running is just, uh, it goes hand in hand. But I guess to get started, I, I wanted to ask, and we ask people kind of this question often, but for you for running, like, do you remember your first mile? Um, yeah, actually I do. I, I don't know if it was my first mile, but um, I remember doing like the presidential fitness challenge when I was... Uh, in elementary school, um, you know, where you, it was like a few days of PE class where you had to do like pull-ups and sit-ups and stuff. But I remember that we had this like outdoor track. I, I It wasn't like a track. It was like a gravel loop. But I don't I don't remember how long it was, probably no more than a quarter mile, um, probably less than that. But <clears throat> yeah, I do remember those days like uh, running like a, the mile challenge and like blue jeans, you know, in the middle of like an elementary school day. Um, and I, I remember what's funny is like the thing I remember about it was, um, like there was like up on the wall was like these like, uh, dot matrix printout printer things of like the fastest mile times, um, that people had run. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was some kid who was like a couple of years older than me that had gone like sub six. He was like, you know, like 545 or something like that. And I always remember just like, I want to, I want to beat that. But like, I had no, you know, no concept of like how difficult that would be. I don't, I don't think I was like a fast runner. I'm still not a fast runner, you know, like, um, so that was, uh, yeah, I do remember it actually. Um, but you know, I didn't really run again like i played a little soccer in school but like i, w I wasn't like an athlete you know um i was kind of like a stoner art music kid for most of high school and college um i always liked outdoor sports you know like i uh was always into backpacking and rock climbing and stuff like that um and uh but yeah just like never never considered myself an athlete um and was never like really good at stuff you know i played soccer but i was like the goalkeeper so <laughs> didn't really do much running do much running there um you're gonna fit in just fine on the never not run pod <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think a lot of us for a lot of especially americans that presidential fitness test is always like a very it's either like a moment of pride or a moment of shame I think a lot of people, do you remember yeah. the the patches? Did they do this at your school where you got a red patch or a blue patch, depending on how kind of elite you were? I don't remember that. 
but it's possible. I just remember getting like, like a, a certificate, you know, from signed by the president or whatever. When <laughs> and so I guess when did that kind of change over for you? Or maybe it really hasn't even changed, but like when you were when you were playing music and touring, were you still getting in runs and, and going on backpacking trips? Like what was that? What were those years like for you? No, it was like the opposite. You know, I, I think I had reached probably the least, uh, you know, fitness of my life. Uh, and, and honestly it became part of the motivation for wanting to like dial in some type of process or, or practice that, uh, you know, emphasize my physical health um you know i'm sure chris can speak to this but it's like you know it's a pretty rough lifestyle like um um you know luckily i was like never like a huge drinker or like whatever but it's still like you know i mean a couple beers a night every night and like mm -hmm. no there's really not time yeah. to like go on runs like um you know, I, I've actually hung out with, with Jeff and his crew a couple times now. And it's funny because like John will go down to the treadmill in the hotel lobby. But but like we weren't staying in hotels, you know, yeah. <laughs> like um, we were staying on friends couches and stuff. And, um, you know, I I played in the band till I was in my early 30s. And yeah, just kind of reached this low like of, of physical health, um, which, you know, a lot of times I think can influence your mental health. So. Um, I was really like looking for something uh, that could change like everything for me. And luckily, when I was 19, um, um, I hiked the whole Appalachian Trail. Uh, wow. It was just like something before I went to college that um, growing up in Georgia, the trail, the trail starts up in um, uh, North Georgia. And like, you know, I graduated high school and um, before I started college, I hiked the whole the whole Appalachian Trail. And. So, you know, here I am like 12 years after that kind of like thinking like what, you know, what can I do? I was also starting to burn out on on playing music and and stuff like that and um you know, I I remembered that I had always wanted to hike the Pacific Crest Trail which um, you know, goes up the whole West Coast through California, Oregon and Washington and so in 2015 I um I did that, you know, basically off the couch like um, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, walking through the deserts around San Diego and then up into the, uh, you know, Angeles crest right around you guys, mm -hmm. uh, um, wow. um, was brutal. I mean, I, I was limping just, I had two, two trekking poles, just, uh, you know, like not sure, like, like my knees were just on fire. Like my, my body was, was, uh, hurting a lot, but, um, you know, after a few hundred miles, after like a month, you know, it just clicked. And, um, you know, what was interesting is as bad as it hurt, like I could still feel this like rhythm that when you do something like this, like one of these long trails, like um, it almost becomes like muscle memory. You know, it's like I can still go back and play like the original Mario on any guess. And like, it's like my fingers just like do it, you know, like <laughs> So I could like feel that that was still there, like the rhythm was still there, but it was hard to like achieve that rhythm and keep it going until I um, like walked myself into shape. But, you know, being out there, um, it kind of reminded me that like this, this is it, like this is what I love, like this is my passion. And um, it's kind of like kind of always has been, even though it, it hasn't been in the forefront of my life, you know, and and again, like when you're touring, 
um, and playing music, especially in like the DIY context, there's not a lot of time to do other stuff that you, yeah. that you want to do. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. all in on that. Um, or yeah. maybe for some of us that aren't, aren't good at achieving balance, but, uh, I used to bring a jump rope with like Mike Park. <laughs> so for yeah. the listeners, uh, Wit had his band, the wild had a record out with Asian man records. Mike Park was on the pod and I would bring like a jump rope on, um, those tours and do that. And, and I, yeah, some tours I'd go on runs. I remember I was like working for a dude and I had a bus access. So I was able to like go. I remember I didn't bring running shoes. So I went and bought a pair uh, at like a local running store in like Boston and was just like hitting miles left and right. But yeah, you're right. Like the DIY music scene is so grueling unto itself in like a completely different way, but it taps that mental reserve in the same capacity. Um, yeah, I totally yeah. relate. Yeah. I think I think actually what happened is like I I still don't really consider myself much of an athlete, but it's like the same uh, creative fulfillment, you know, you can apply to running. Right. Like for me, it's like when I get out there, especially on the trails, um, there's this like narrative aspect, whether it's like my daily run, you know, or whether it's a, a really long distance race or something like it's like, what, what's the story that like, I want to tell here. And like, you know, it can become this like Shakespearean, like tragedy, or it can become this like triumph of will and spirit, you know, but if, if you kind of frame it in the, in, in like a way that it's a creative process, um, you know, like that, that's what it's about for me. Like, that's what I love about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I hated running. I mean, even in 2015, like I, I was never a runner, like I didn't start running until 2018 you know like it was uh sort of just by necessity like i i had uh, gone on after the pacific crest trail to hike the continental divide trail which goes down the middle of the country it's a uh, 3100 mile trail um you know and this is all like with backpacks on camping every night that kind of stuff so you're not you're not running but by the time i got to the end of that trail i was like cruising through fall in new mexico and i was doing a lot of like road walking along these like you know new mexico like scenic highways just and you know it was like okay i just i just busted 30 miles out today and i you know and um and then you know i got home to atlanta and i i was just feeling like you know i was really missing that um you know rhythm or that those endorphins or whatever it is so i would go to the state park um and try and just like hike in the afternoons after work or whatever, but it just wasn't like scratching the itch. So I thought to myself, like, maybe I should try like running these trails, you know? So I just had this one eight mile loop that for months and months, I just tried to run the whole loop, you know? And it would, it took months to like get to the point where it was like, okay, this, this staircase, oh, this long climb, like, can I link it up? Can I like get this done, you know? But, but what I found is like the rhythm of running it did like, um kind of scratch the itch like that it did actually fulfill what i was like looking for and then um that kind of led to a crazy few years you know <laughs> so this this brings up a might be a dumb question but i am really interested in if you have any like, methods for pacing like how do you approach something that that's that long like are you do you have a conscious thing where you're like okay i'm gonna you know run five minutes walk five minutes or is it just based on feel or like like how structured is your your pacing plan when you're hitting these like super super long attempts 
Um, well, it depends on, you know, the distance. I mean, for 24 hour or 100 mile, like I feel more dialed to like certain uh, pacing, like, like I want to, I want to make sure I'm hitting certain like marks, but for like a 10 day race or like a 250 mile race, like I'm, um, sort of more like, like I need to make sure that I'm just not be, like going too fast. You know, a lot of that is actually about convincing myself to slow down. It's, you know, when I, um, when I kind of like did the Moab 240 and the Cocodona 250 back to back and, and went top and went top five at both of those, the lesson from that was actually about patience. You know, it was like, it was like letting people pass me at the beginning and just not letting my ego be like, I should try and keep up with them. You know, it was about saying like, you know, walk, like, like, you know, this is a long game, like, you know, like, yeah. so it was kind of the opposite of, of like keeping myself to a certain pace. It was like, trying to convince myself to to not care about it you know which is sometimes a little more difficult and and that's kind of where i am now i i've been kind of on like a little sabbatical and um you know i quit wearing a watch when i run i quit even tracking mileage like week to week at this point you know i'm just uh enjoying it just just doing like what i want when i want and it's super fun you know yeah speak to that cuz like that's something that just came to mind as you were talking like God, there's so much data and matrix that have come into this thing that we love. And, you know, you, you have had those moments. I've had those moments where, you know, your, your watch doesn't log the run and you kind of freak out. And like, I think about that often about how much numbers have kind of dictated, uh, my relationship with running. And so it, what was that transition like for you to be like, I don't need this shit. Well, it was, you know, it was weird because I never used that stuff uh, for the first couple of years I was running. I, you know, I had like a Timex watch and would just do the math in my head. You know, I'd be like, yeah. okay, well, I know that this milestone is five miles in. This is how long it took me to get here. So this was my pace or whatever. Um, maybe I should do the next five miles a little faster or whatever, you know, like it wasn't. Um, but I, um, in 20, 19 the winter of 2019 i i got a coach for the first time who um was actually like my hero in the sport like i was really stoked he's uh, a guy named joe mcconaughey goes by the trail name string bean but he's like you know he's um he holds the the records for running the appalachian trail the pacific crest trail the arizona trail um he's run a 12 hour 30 minute 100 miler um you know, he's just a, a total badass. And um, he was kind of like, you need to get a watch if, you know, if we're going to do like a coaching setup, because you need, to, I need data, like you need to, like, be able to look at this stuff. So that was the first time I ever got a watch. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoyed it for a while. It was sort of like a game, you know, it was um, like, like, oh, cool, this, this data is actually like really fun to like play with and stuff. But I, I think over, you know, the next couple of years, like it became more of like a, um, like a burden, you know, to wear that sure. thing, like to, um, feel dogmatic about the results that I was like seeing when I was going over the data, you know, and, and I kind of just realized that that's not what it's about for me, you know, and if, if it's creating these like feelings of like frustration and, and, and guilt and shame and stuff like that, um, I gotta like, I mean, 
take the burden off just like take the fucking watch off you know it's like uh, as easy as that man like yeah um yeah so now i mean they are super useful like in a race you know because it's i've never really used it for much more than just knowing how far i've gone and kind of glancing down to see like what my pace is like and it's like i need to speed up a little bit or slow down a little bit but um yeah i've never been like a data-driven runner i'm and i'm not like a data-driven person in general so um but yeah it was a you know an interesting experiment yeah as kind of as an aside i first became aware of you because a friend of mine sent me the arizona trail documentary about joe's fkt attempt and yeah and you know you're featured prominently in that because you were kind of pacing him doing it with him and it was surreal because I think a, a day or two later you started following the never not run account. And I was like, Oh my God, this dude is following us. And I think I mentioned it to Chris and Chris was like, Oh yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> That's wit. <laughs> so it was a weird, uh, you know, mashup of two worlds. But, um, I, yeah. What's it like having Joe as a coach? Is it, I mean, how, do, what are the training? What are the weeks like for you to prepare for something like a, you know, FKT attempt or, or a 24 hour race? Um, well, like when, like he, Joe doesn't coach me anymore. Like we kind of, okay. after the Arizona trail, we kind of like, we're like, he's like, dude, I can't like charge you <laughs> anymore. You know, <laughs> like, um, it doesn't feel right. So at this point we're kind of just buds, you know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't have a training plan right now. Like I, if I, if I'm preparing for something, I'll be like, yo, Joe, can I, can you hook me up with like, you know, a couple months of a training plan and he's like, sure, whatever. But like, I don't know. I mean, when I started with him, I think he was a little surprised and didn't really know what to do with me because my job, I, you know, I work in the summers on the Appalachian trail, um, is what's called a Ridge runner. So my job is to, to cover like 50 to 60 miles per week for work on, on the AT on like pretty brutal terrain. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was getting ready for my second attempt at the Moab 240 that fall. And, um, uh, you know, he's like, well, just start sending me like your daily stuff, you know, and my daily stuff at that point was, you know, generally 20 to 25 miles a day with like five to 6,000 feet of, of elevation gain. Wow. Um, and that was like every day, wow. you know, except for, um, maybe one day off or something a week. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't super fast, like, but I was like, Joe, what do you consider a long run? You know, he's like, he's like, I'd say like, um, what I was like, what do you consider running versus hiking? You know, and cause he, like his thing at the beginning was like, you know, you're a great hiker, but, um, you're not, you're not really running. And he's like, well, I, I would say like a 15 minute mile or below is, is running, you know? So I was trying to do those days averaging out at 15 minute miles, um, which turns out like, and most of the the big 200 plus mile races, if you can maintain a 15 minute mile, like you would probably win the race. I mean, these aren't yeah. like super fast right. um, splits in these races, you know, it's just a matter of the consistency and like staying awake. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know, like, like he kind of, you know, would cater like to what I was going to do. So like when I was getting ready for, uh, the across the years 10 day race, um, that looked a lot different than like getting ready for Cocodona 250. Um, so, so you've done all these like super long races and, and like these attempts, like, and 
I would always see on Instagram, you like, or excuse me, Facebook, you'd be like hitting these things. Oh, about to go, you know, Pacific Crest <laughs> or just finished, you know. And I was always so impressed. And Mike Park would always compare me to you because he'd be like, you're not running enough. Look at Whit, <laughs> which just which just went across the entire west coast of California, you know, like, and, but I was always so inspired because I was definitely getting into running around the same time, just in a different kind of environment. But it always made me wonder, um, for you, like when you're on these long trail runs, you touched on it briefly, like, what does your day to day look like? You know, how are you uh, sleeping? How are you, are you keeping yourself uh, you know, fueled, what does that day to day look like? And, you know, it's pretty different, like, like something like a, like, you know, a 10 day loop race, you know, you're running around a one mile loop for 10 days. So what that looks like is I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my camper van, which has been my, my home for like four years now. Cool. Um, and that's basically, you know, you, you park it along the course around like along the loop and set up like an easy up with a, a folding table and just have all the shit you want, like laid out on it and kind of self crew and, um, you know, setting off in a race like that, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to hopefully get four hours of sleep a night, you know, um, four to five hours of sleep and, um, so the logistics of that are a little different than like something like when I set the Arizona trail, um, FKT, um, which was self-supported, you know, I'm, I'm carrying all of my gear and all of my supplies and there's pretty strict rules about what you can and can't do. Um, you know, so, um, all of that was like mailing myself resupply boxes along the, the trail um having to make sure that i'm like hitting these places wow. during hours where i can pick up that box um you know throw everything in my pack like um it's a lot harder to to make sure you have enough calories and and you're dealing with like water scarcity um you know and so you know those those days kind of look like alarm goes off at 4 a.m you got it you know you want to be up like with all your stuff in your pack and 10 to 15 minutes and moving, um, there's not much running happening, you know, it's, it's mostly hiking, but you're putting in 17 hours, sometimes <clears throat> a day of, um, movement. Um, and then when it's time to stop, it's sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm usually on my back within 10 minutes and, and hopefully like asleep, but you know, you're kind of amped up from the day, even though you're like totally exhausted. So you're just kind of laying there, um, <laughs> Like one of my one of my stories was like the one of the, the second to last night on the Arizona Trail. I, you know, the water sources in southern Arizona are like basically like cattle troughs or like wildlife tanks. So it's like, you know, I was like, all right, I'll get to this this like trough, this like mud pit, and like that's where I'm going to get my water, um, and I'm going to sleep there tonight. And um, you know, it was like probably ten or eleven at night, and I. I like lay down, um, you know, and a lot of the nights in the desert, I don't set up a tent or anything. I just fall on the ground with my sleeping bag. And, um, and I, I sat up for a second to, um, and I, my headlamp caught some eyes, you know, which is pretty common, like in the woods at night, usually it's like a deer or, or something like that, but this was like different. And I, so I turned the high beam on of my lamp and there's this like mountain lion, probably, oh, shit. I don't know, 50 yards 
you know, below where I'm sleeping, just looking at me. And I I was so dead that, you know, I just was like, I mean, this is it. Like, if, like, I'm just going to lay back down and go to sleep. And if this is the end, then this is the end. But I I don't have anything left to like get up or move or run or or like anything, you know? Um, Holy shit. So it just, it gets, you know, I mean, but, but again, like, I don't know, man, like, Last summer, I tried to break the Pacific Crest Trail record and was on on pace um, up into the High Sierra. But it was a it's a, a mental fatigue, you know. It's like a um, it's like a discipline where it's like if you press the snooze button until you know and you don't move until five a.m., then you know you're playing catch up like the whole day, and then you do that a couple of days in a row, and you're really you really have to like stay on this. Um, like really tight discipline, which, you know, that's kind of why I've been taking some time off the last few months is like, it's not just the, you know, I, I wanted to give my body like a significant chance to recover after a few years of going really sure. hard. Like, I don't think like, you know, I don't think like two weeks or a month is like enough sometimes. Like, you know, I, I gave myself six months and put on a little weight and like starting to feel you know, like my body's regained a lot of like strength and, um, but also it was about letting go of like the discipline of it. You know, it was about being like, I'm going to eat like some fucking Swedish fish. Like I'm going to like have a beer. Like I'm going to, you know, like that day to day when I'm like training for stuff is it's not just the running. It's like the, you know, it's all of it. It's like the diet. It's like choosing training over going out with friends. It's choosing training over, Mm. Um, you know, all that stuff. So like, like taking a really su- substantial break hasn't just been about the physical recovery. It's kind of about like the, the like mental health recovery and the social recovery, you know, like, um, sure. so, and like, kind of like reinvigorating myself with like, um, you know, it's like the last, the last few runs I've done, it, it just felt like the first few runs I ever did, it just feels uh, transcendent, you know, it's like, this is incredible, you know, like, um, and anytime I feel like you focus a lot on something that you love, be it running or uh, some other sport or fitness or your job, like it pulls you away from so many important things in life. And I, I I totally understand that because I, I obviously not at the capacity you're at, but you know, I think we, Mark can relate too. when you focus on something so much, like you do forget that, like that social time with friends hanging out is so gratifying. And obviously mm-hmm. when it's unbalanced and the other side is getting neglected too, but it really is that balance. And if you just focus solely on that, I, I, I can relate to that um, and getting into that place because it's, it's possible and it's, it's, it is depressing. You're like, what is my, <laughs> what, 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 why am I doing all of this? If I'm not like enjoying my time with people I love. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I also do think that there's um, something to the, the community aspect of running that's amazing you know like it it, again it reminds me of of diy punk you know i've met some some of the best people like i know like joe and some of my friends back in atlanta and and when i am home in atlanta like you know i don't i don't run alone a lot like it's great like like group runs and um there's like a community spirit to it which Mm -hmm. i which i really value you know um, sometimes like you go out for like a 10 mile group run and it's, it's just like, it just goes by, you don't even think about, but it, but it's just a lot of time, like the stuff I've been doing, it's like a lot of like headspace time alone 
at space time, which can be, you know, really profound learning experience and like can teach you a lot about yourself. But what what happened this summer is like the the lessons that I was kind of learning by spending so much time in my head on the PCT was like, you should stop spending so much time alone in your head, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, when that's and the that lesson, wasn't, that wasn't that wasn't the lesson I was hoping to learn or the expectation that I thought would, would come, you know, but that, that was the objective truth of, of what I was, was gaining from it. You know? He just like rolled down into a town in like Northern Reading, <laughs> going to a bar. Hey, can I hang out with you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I want to give a, a quick shout out to a buddy of mine who, who also, he finished the PCT, John Kyle, he goes by Dash and he, mm-hmm. He, I was talking to him about doing the PCT and he said that it becomes like virtual reality where there's the monotony of it, like time becomes very elastic. And also in comparison to, to the, the like the 10 day races, like I was wondering how similar the, the mental aspect is to approaching those those longer day races where you're just seeing the same surroundings over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with like the similarities between them, you know, and it's um, it's like a constant um, challenge to find motivation and inspiration. And that's one of the things I love about it, you know, with like a a loop race, um, you know, it's kind of just learning how to let time pass um, and not freak out. You know, I mean, that's that's like, you know, watch a day go by and it's it's pretty similar when you're out on the trail, you know, it's. um it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's like kind of like trying to get your, get your head out of the way so that the time just passes and you're just moving at whatever pace you want through time. Um, and sometimes like, you know, it's, it's hard, like it feels like forever, you know, it feels like the, the day will never end. And sometimes it's gone in the blink of an eye, you know, like, you know, like the PC, I mean, like hiking the PCT, like normally, like I did in 2015 versus going for a speed, speed record was certainly like different, you know, I mean, um, there was a, a, a pretty big social aspect to through hiking that I love, um, you know, fi- like fi- forming like a crew and um, making some of the best friends I've ever had, you know, people that, that you spend months with living outside and kind of sharing that goal. Um you know, when I, when I did the PCT this year or last summer, um, you know, timing it with the seasons so that it works out where you don't hit snow or you, you are like ahead of the fire season. Um, it basically put me as the, the last person starting the PCT by like a month and there's no one out there, you know, like no one, no one else is in the deserts of Southern California in mid June, you know, and it's, it's, it's brutal. It's like, you know, 115 degrees some days, like, um, and you're, you're alone, like no one wants to go through that, you know? Um, but the motivation becomes like that, you know, that like first cool breeze at like 6 30 PM or 7 PM, like when the sun finally maybe gets behind a ridge or something. And, um, it's like the most cathartic thing I've ever like experienced in my life, like feeling like this exhalation of like the desert, you know, it's, uh, it's beautiful, you know, and, and honestly, like, like those moments are kind of like what keep you going. Um, you know, 
the thing about the loop races is that they're extremely social events and that's kind of why i've been leaning towards them a little more like um everyone's on the same one mile loop and it doesn't matter if you're in first place or last place or like everyone just kind of has their own personal goal um and you know it's like it's it's the it's the total like weirdos of running that do these like loop races you know and yeah honestly as like the fkt scene when i got into it it was still pretty like out there and niche it's become like pretty uh in my my opinion it's becoming more and more like corporatized and and commercial and uh people i think are are doing stuff for like fame and notoriety instead of just sort of like this weird um this weird like subculture of running and i'm i'm kind of finding that more in like the timed loop races now and uh, meeting like a lot of the like elders of like of like the long distance running world like you know you're sharing the same course with a 75 year old runner that's been doing it for you know their whole life and and the wisdom that you can gain from someone like that is incredible you know and there's no reason why you don't just share a couple laps and have a few have a conversation you know i mean yeah in a trail race that's point to point, like you're going to not see most of the people that are at the starting line again through the whole race. You know, I mean, it's just like, it spreads out and then um, people are up front and people are in the back and um, but on a loop, there's no like, you know, differentiation. Um, it's like, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. So those are like the major differences of the, of the two things. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, I think when I started running, the thing that really interested me was like the, the psychological, um, aspect of it, you know, like more than the physical aspect. And, you know, I got to meet some, uh, like amazing runners when I was starting off. And, um, you know, I, I remember I, I met Scott Jurek, who's like one of the, um, great ultra runners of, course. of, of all time. And, you know, I, they they say these things like you know like these little cliches like oh it's 90 percent mental you know like to do this stuff um and i think that at the time like i kind of took it for granted like i think most people sort of take it for granted like oh it's just like a little uh antidote or a cliche but the more i've done it the more i find that like no it's actually like literal like it's it's like 90 percent mental you know um so like when I when I've been researching some of these guys like Janos Kuros, um, like the great Greek ultra runner who's like one of my heroes, um, you know he would he would take three months off after a race, six months off after a race. Sometimes he wouldn't even run between races, you know, um, um, just because he believed that it's like a metaphysical sport, really. And um, yeah, you know, so like like getting your headspace dialed maybe is more important than uh, your, your physical preparation in some ways. On that note, is there, what's your personal view on the kind, I guess the records that are being set. It almost feels like it's maxing out in terms of physical ability. I could be totally off on this, but I, I guess when I see the, when I see a FKT set, right, it's, it's usually, within a day or within hours. I'm talking, you know, talking about these long through hike FKTs. So do you think that people are kind of maxing out in terms of their physical capacity to do these, these FKTs, or do you think that there's a, a going to be some kind of, 
there's going to be a person in the future that's going to be able to shave a week off or something because they have just just this crazy mental fortitude um i think what's happening with that is like because it was such a niche sport there were less attempts at like these long trails happening like over time so like there's like now that there's more and more people attempting them and and like um you know the pandemic really brought a lot of like pro mm. runners into the fkt world because there were no races and so what you started seeing was like like high level elite athletes getting into the the world of fkts whereas before like it was just like a bunch of like outdoor freaks and weirdos doing this stuff so i think that's been a part of like of like why you're seeing the numbers go lower and lower um and there there are cases of people taking like you know big chunks of time off like like previous records and stuff um but i i think that yeah i just think the there you know the the margins are getting smaller and smaller like like actually and like it's not like um you know like when joe did break the arizona trail record um you know i mean you saw the film like he was he, he was a little disappointed like <laughs> like he was on track to like blow it out of the water and we hit the snow and all that stuff and he still like set the record, but in his mind, he's like, he's like, I think someone will beat this soon. Mm -hmm. um, mm. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, like there, there probably are literally, um, you know, single digit people that would even have it in on earth that would have a chance of, of breaking your record. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to break it by like multiple days. And there have been some attempts by like pro runners since Joe that, um, like they weren't able to even with what we ran into you know they had good conditions and weren't able to to do it um but yeah it's an it's an interesting question like where the sport's gonna go like i'm i find myself becoming like less interested in it the more that it comes down to like sure um like a pro athlete who has like all the resources and like you know uh stuff that you get for being a pro and um you know, and, and the more that the more that emphasis is placed on like physical ability, um, it's just less interesting to me. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. you know, well, and, and even that, like I've seen some of the records I've looked at, the unsupported and supported times aren't even that far off from each other, which is insane to me that you can have a whole team in a sprinter van following you and it's still, you're still not able to, like you said, put on that put that much time away it's it's just yeah. it just goes to show like yeah like the limitation the physical limitations of of what one person can is capable of yeah it was interesting you know that that was the record that joe holds that's probably the most you know for a lot of us the most impressive record of them all was that he um you know in 20 i think it was 2015 scott jurek broke the mm -hmm. uh or 2017 maybe broke the Appalachian Trail record, but this was like a, you know, Cliff Bar like. Uh, it was for I mean, a movie. I don't even know how many, yeah, I don't even know how many thousands of dollars like were given to him, like full crew, massage therapist, and then the next year Carl Meltzer, who is you know also like a speed goat, a legendary ultra runner, came through with like Red Bull sponsorship and mm. um, beat Jurek's time by not that much. And then the next year was when Joe came, totally unsponsored. Uh, with a pack on his back and beat both of their times um, by a pretty wide margin doing it totally self-supported you know and 
Um, That's like, I don't think anyone, like, I don't think anyone's going to get, there's maybe two people I can think of on earth that would maybe have a chance at that. Um, Mm -hmm. the guy that, that did end up breaking the, the PCT record this summer, Josh Perry, he's like a younger guy, um, from, from the UK. That's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like you were saying in the last question, he's kind of this like newer generation that, um, you know, has like some x you know i don't i don't want to say it's an x factor because he works really hard for it but like um you know he he's you know he seems to be able to take it to a different level um and uh you know it's funny josh you know when i met josh uh because we were hanging around southern california around the same time before we started our attempts like uh Chris, he'll like this. He's like a huge Jeff Rosenstock fan. And like, <laughs> you know, I think he's like 26 or something. He's like, you know, he's just like super into the like punk world and stuff. Yeah. And um, so I thought that was cool because I don't really meet, I don't really meet any, anyone yeah. that's out often that, that's into that stuff. Um, it's true though. Like, I think also what this conversation is kind of reminding me of is, is how popular the sport has gotten. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's cool. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. I just, it's, it's what's happening. You know, I think that there are, uh, more eyes on these ultra races, these longer distance, um, you know, attempts and challenges, um, you know, and you can just see it and it's apparent. Um, and I think it's a really cool thing, but what comes along with it, I think for me personally is this, kind of glaze that gets put over it that is pretty ugly to me <laughs> you know i don't know how else to put it like i've i've done some things and i've been a part of some projects and i'm just going this is so not what it's about in my opinion but that's i guess also the beauty of of the sport because it can kind of be anything and it's not definitely not my way of looking at it i mean but yeah i mean when, like when i did find you guys this like podcast when I started following you, like it was because I could immediately recognize that this is like, you know, like this, this seems like the kind of stuff I'm into as far as running, you know, and, and everyone's, you know, everyone can have their own angle and enjoyment. And, you know, you find that in the through hiking world there, you know, there's people that are out there like, um, you know, totally for the physical challenge, you know, and there's like bros and jocks that are like, I'm going to defeat nature by doing this, you know, that's mm-hmm. like their, their outlook on it, you know? And, and I think that's the same thing in, in the ultra running world, you know, it's like, um, I just, I think the thing that bothers me is like, um, I, I just hope that that doesn't become like the dominant um, yeah. culture of the sport of, of it. You know, it's like something I've tried to avoid my whole life, like the jocks and the bros and stuff, you know, like, um, I have to bring this up since we're kind of floating around this, but I noticed too that the the year that you were in the was it, I think top five at Moab, you were there with Goggins. <laughs> and so I was wondering if you had any stories of like racing that dude, what that was like. <laughs> yeah, I mean Goggins is uh you know, I the first year I ran Moab, Goggins was there too. And like I never heard of this guy and all my friends were like Goggins is there, you know, I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, you know, this guy looks fucking brutal. Like, um, and I was, you know, I was running out kind of stupid the first year. I was, I was with with Mike McKnight, like probably 30 miles in, 40 miles in, who went on to win. And he's 
you know, probably the most winning 200 miler um, over time. But I remember like, you know, and you're in the middle of the desert, like it's like brutal sun, you know, everyone's wearing like sun shirts and stuff. And I turn around and I see this dude coming shirtless with like the shortest shorts I've ever seen. And you just, I mean, it looks like Rambo is like coming up behind you. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and like, you know, he passed me or whatever, but then he went on that year to get lost by like 15 miles off course. And then he came back and then he got, um, sick at like one of the high altitude parts of the course um and and had to drop out of the race that year um so i can i can say for that year i beat goggins um but of course he like came like he went to the hospital he came back even though he had been disqualified from the race and he like finishes the race on his own with his videographer but he's like, he doesn't like come through the finish line. He like runs past the finish line and, and like adds one more mile to the race. <laughs> so like, you know, um, so the next year, the next year I'm like in the same exact spot and I turn around and I see him come in like just brutal. And I'm like, all right, just look cool, man. Like, you know, I tried to get my form together and just like, you know, be like, like chilling. And like right when he was like five feet behind me, I don't know if it was just like his like presence or like his like energy or what, but I like cramped all through like my, oh. like my, my like I don't know, and I like fell to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and he um he like comes by and he looks down at me and he's like, "You all right, bro?" <laughs> I was like, "I didn't want you to see me like this." <laughs> he got in your head. He stole yeah. your soul, bro. He stole your soul. <laughs> I don't know if you've read well, any that of his year. That year he got second and he, um, you know, the guy, an Italian runner beat him, uh, Mickey Groglia. And they're, um, they're basically running together through the first night. And then Goggins picks up a pacer and Mickey didn't have one. And uh, apparently, you know, there was like some, goggins like poking mickey's chest like poking him in the forehead being like i'm gonna kill you like you know like really actually trying to intimidate him wow to back off and stuff you know um yeah he seems definitely i don't know if you've listened to any of his books or read any of them but they're pretty intense for sure (laughs) um i mean i watch his like instagram videos like you know i I find them to be pretty funny but i do think i do think there's a lot of people out there taking it literally and like hurting themselves (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. I a friend of mine um just uh had a kid actually and has been needing some like uplifting support in regards to like getting through the long nights, you know? And uh he just texted me out of the blue and was like, I love Goggins. And so then I was like, Oh, that's that's great, man. I'm so happy you found him. And then like two weeks later, he was like, What do you think Goggins would think about sickness? Should I just fight through it? And I said <laughs> I said I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. The guy doesn't have any knees anymore. Uh, you might want to take some rest, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do have a lot of respect for Goggins, though, like, like straight up. I mean, yeah. Uh, and most of these races, like he's he's like maybe one of two pe- people of color there, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's important to like acknowledge that that that's part of like um, what Goggins is doing is like is like showing up and um you know, being visible as a person of color and like a sport that's like, um, 
you know, especially these ultras that are like really predominantly like, like white male dominated. So I, you know, I, 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 I respect Goggins a lot. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, to what degree he he's like a persona or not. Like every time I've had a conversation with him, he's been super nice and super supportive and, um, you know, kind of like sharing in the spirit of like the team spirit of the race. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I have also had people reach out to me um, that were about to run their first 24 hour race to try and, you know, break a hundred miles for the first time solely because that's what Goggins did. And <laughs> they had read his book and um, they were experiencing injuries and we're not going to like take the time to heal or anything like that because Goggins wouldn't, you know, think that was legit or whatever. So, I, you know, um, but cer certainly an enigma. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to, it, it's, Goggins is a buffet and you have to just take the pieces from him that seem to <laughs> be the healthiest. Cause if you try to take all of it, you're going to feel like shit after. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. but hey, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's the stuff that I think I've connected with, at least when I look at his story is it's, and the thing that I like about him at least, which I think a lot of people don't take away is that he in one of his books, he talks about this dude, Akos Konya, right? And just who's this like, like small runner dude. And I think that goes against so much of what is what he portrays or what people take away from him is this kind of masculine macho dude. It's like he gives the most respect to this like smaller runner guy who has a ton of like mental strength. And like, that's the thing that he seems to admire the most in people which I think is like, yeah, a very positive thing to take away. Not you shouldn't try to like punish yourself or hurt yourself just because you think that's what this, that's what the macho thing to do is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually don't see Goggins, you know, I, I feel like Goggins at this point is like pretty um, tame compared to like some of the newer like influencers and the stuff people are like saying and promoting now and, and running, you know, like Goggins is almost like, old school at this point you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, um there's some really toxic stuff going on you know and and i um you know like luckily feel like i have a crew and friends and stuff that um you know kind of like view it differently and in, in like different ways and stuff but like yeah i mean there's some you know like in any scene you know it's like like when when we were playing in the punk scene, like it would have been stupid to think that there wasn't bad stuff going on or like bad people involved or or whatever, you know. I mean, um, totally. You know, so I think I think acknowledging that type of stuff and um, keeping an eye on it is like important. You know? Yeah, I agree. For you, you've accomplished so much, but where are you going to next with all of it? Like, you know. Because I, as I listen to you talk, you've accomplished so much, but you've gotten to such a like, it sounds like a supportive place with yourself, and you're you're kind of looking at the full picture, maybe rebalancing things out, um, taking care of yourself. But um, are you interested in getting back out um, on the Pacific Crest? Or are you going to do more hiking? Are you going to maybe try some ultras? What is what's the, what's the future hold for you, man? Well, I mean. <clears throat> uh honestly like i've had one major goal like the whole time you know and like all of it's been training to try and run the, the longest race on earth um the Sri chimnoy 3100 mile self-transcendence race in queens new york um 
I actually just got a message that this might be the year. So oh, wow. did I get an, did I get an invite? So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm crossing my fingers, but that's honestly like when I back in 2018 when I started running, I you know, like most people do, went down a lot a, a rabbit hole on like Netflix and YouTube and consumed every you know, like running thing I could find. And I remember watching the uh, Barkley, the original Barkley documentary. Oh, yeah. And then, and then watching the 3100 film that came out. Um, and kind of at that moment being like, you know, Barkley seems sick, but I think my trajectory, like what I want to do is run this this race in New York, the longest race on earth. And uh, so like most of the decisions I've made about the races I've done and the things I've done have been sort of like, um, either consciously or subconsciously, like leading to that, you know, and, and if I was able to finish that race, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I would do. Maybe I'd stop running. I don't, I don't know. Like after that, like, um, can you catch, but, um, but, the, can you catch also the listeners up who might not know about that race? Um, and where, it so there's a, there's a, I guess like a monk would be the proper term, but, uh, a guy named Sri Chimnoy that um, started like a series of races and sort of like a, a running team. I want to say in like the seventies or eighties, but um, you know, approaching running um, as like a mindfulness exercise um, as like a practice of meditation. Um, and that was the angle that he took in, in designing the races that he put on. Um, he lived in Queens, New York. Um, um, and basically at this point, it's a worldwide organization of, of like people that kind of follow that same value system when it comes to running. Um, but his, you know, his really famous race is called the Sri Chimnoy 3100 mile self-transcendence marathon. It's a 3100 mile race around one block of Queens, New York. Um, that's been running every year since I want to say the nineties, maybe even earlier. Um, it's really under the radar of really any like running pop culture. Like it's not really covered in magazines or covered, you know, there was a, a documentary that was put out a few years back that um, I don't even think got that, you know, many yeah. like, views or attention outside of runners that saw it, you know, and, um, but yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's the longest sanctioned race on earth. It's, uh, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like, the <laughs> yeah, ultimate. No, it is the ultimate. <laughs> it yeah. is the ultimate. Yeah. When, when I, we had that actually on a, our list of questions to ask you and I'm really happy you got into it. Cause well, I'm not, I'm not in like, that's the, that's the hard part, right? Is like, sure. They, they only, they only invite 10 to 10 to 12 runners every year. Wow. And most of those runners are people that are coming back from previous years. Wow. Um, you know, there's not really a qualifier, but because I, because I crossed the thousand kilometers in 10 days, that's sort of like a qualifier to run a thousand kilometers in 10 days. Um, and so I was able to sort of reach out, you know, it's really hard to like get in touch with the race. I mean, there's a, yeah. a guy named Shahishnu that is the, race director that has like some old like yahoo email address and you know it's like you know so i i was able to finally get in contact and last year and um the race was already full and he said well maybe next year and 
Um, right now, from what I can tell, they're waiting to see how many runners are going to come back and then how many spots they'll have for new people. But um, I don't think there's been like an American finisher in like quite a while. Um, it's mostly international runners. Um, but um, so like hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll know either way. But I can't think of a better candidate. You'd be perfect for that. Uh, I just I, I honestly like just uh, knowing you how I have and it would just be so great to have a, a punk rocker hit that thing. <laughs> Your soul is so perfect for it. Um, and yeah, watching that documentary, I, I remember leaving it feeling um, intrigued by it. Like I knew it was never anything that interested me personally, but I could tell it had so much um, substance to it and there's so much um to it there's yeah it was just a very intriguing race to me yeah well that's like when i when i came across y'all's page and saw the yin yangs on the shirts i'm like all right this is this is maybe a good, <laughs> good group. i'll make sure to get you one of those shirts <laughs> um but no man like 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 straight up though like the the thing that i feel like the the main lesson from all of this you know kind of comes back to what we were talking about before it's like meeting meeting like the elders of like the community sure. and, and a lot of that is at at these timed race events and um um you know seeing guys in their 70s women in their 80s uh that are still finding ways to push their own limits um maybe it's not maybe they don't run as fast or as far as they used to but like like um for example there's a guy named john geesler that that runs across the years every year and um He's a, a janitor uh, from New York schools and he, um, you know, he's one of the the greats, you know, at some point in time when he was younger, he held the 48 hour record, but um, now it's, it's like his goal over 10 days is to run one loop every hour, you know, which is not like an official um, thing, you know, but it's like, like he doesn't wear a watch. Like he brings a kitchen, like a wind up kitchen timer, you know, and you'll just see him like asked out, like on a table, and like wind his timer. And when it rings, he's like, you know, but that's hard to do because yeah. if you're, it yeah. takes you 12 to 15 minutes to do a mile. That means the most consecutive sleep you'll ever get over 10 days is 40 minutes, 35 minutes. So, um, so I think what, what I, what I've learned and internalized is that like, I still want to be doing this when I'm 75 years old, 80 years old, like, and whatever it takes to make that happen, to avoid injury, to like prolong this thing that I love, um, is maybe the ultimate goal of it all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a older guy named John Radich on, uh, last year who was, he was a badass guy and had done bad water like 15 times. And he, he was, a, yeah, he served as a huge inspiration for us of like, it's just about finding a practice, a balance that you can hold on to throughout your life. And, you know, something that grounds you. And I think running is, is a good kind of way of centering yourself around everything. Cause it's like, you touched on it earlier, but yeah, like you, even when it comes to like drinking, you're like, I don't know if I want to drink that much tonight. Cause I have a run to do or I want to run in the morning and feel good about it. So in that sense, it's, yeah. it's great. Um, what, when I was going through your, your Instagram, one of the things that really stood out to me that, you know, I, I respect a lot is 
a lot of the endeavors, things you were were doing seem to incorporate like donations or or you highlight work that a lot of groups are doing, like no mas muertes, like no more deaths. Um, and so I was just wondering if you could talk about that and like if you want to highlight any of the work that like some of those groups are doing and for people to check out and stuff. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking about that. Like that usually doesn't get come up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, you know, you know, from hiking uh, the Pacific crest trail and the continental divide trail and the Arizona trail, um, you know, you become aware of like the realities of like the, the borderlands, the U S borderlands. And um, you know, you, you literally see with your own eyes, like, like the militarization, you see the remnants of migration. Um, you even meet people that are are you know coming through, and it puts into perspective for me like um, like how much of a privilege it is to be able to like go out and like run through the desert and not you know with the gear that you need, with the information that that you need, um, and without having to be worried about like border patrol like you know. Uh, coming after you and it's a, it's like a it's a chosen you know in some ways like through hiking and long distance running is like a chosen migration you know that we get mm-hmm. to choose to do that and for a lot of people in the world making some really impressive more impressive journeys than anything i've ever heard of like walking to the u.s from like guatemala or honduras like it it you know it puts like through hiking the appalachian trail into a lot of perspective like it's uh, pretty easy to hike the appalachian trail and like you know, so I started, I started raising money for No Mas Muertes after, um, after being in the deserts down there. And then I started like going there myself to volunteer, you know, and over the last few years, I probably spend a month or two a year, uh, down there on the border. Um, you know, it's motivated me to, um, you know, partially it's, it's motivated me to stay fit, which, you know, motivates me to run because of the the nature of doing humanitarian aid work at the border. Um, you know, it motivated me to, to get more like medical training, um, to become an EMT, um, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it just seems like, So I guess this goes back to like what I find toxic about a lot of the like running world is like, it's a very, um, you know, self-satisfied thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I broke my PR, I did this or whatever, but it seems like there's gotta be more like, like, it's like, why are you, you know, why are you getting strong? Like, why are you becoming fit? Like, 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 is it just for yourself or does it allow you to now like help other people, you know, like, like it doesn't seem like um, it should just end at like your success in like a race or something, you know, like um, it seems like, you know, you're building your ability to show up for like stuff like humanitarian aid work or whatever. Like, at least for me, that's like what it feels like, you know, like, um, and uh a lot of the same, a lot of this, you know, also like just like the the weird skill set of being like a long distance hiker, like it's super applicable to carrying, you know, 80 pound packs through the desert, like off trail navigating, um, you know, cross country through the desert and finding um, passes where where people are, are traveling through to to have a better life, you know, so 
Um, it just made a lot of sense, like something that I can actually um, tangibly do that and apply this like weird skill set that I've gained, you know. Um, but yeah, shout out to No More Deaths. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Wings of America is another organization that I like to raise money for, which is like a native youth um, running program. You know, I think it's important when we talk about like the spiritual side of running um, and, and what it provides for us to also understand that like uh, um, native populations have been doing prayer runs and utilizing running as a tool um, for, you know, I don't know, centuries, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Um, and, and also have been the, have been the victim of having that, you know, intentionally taken away from their culture. And then, and then on top of that, being told they're not welcome in the places that um, we do, we like to do this stuff, you know? Um, so, you know, that's, they're a great organization. Um, Outdoor Afro is one that I try to raise money for that's encouraging people of color to, to come onto the trails. Um, it's mostly about through hiking and outdoor sports, but, um, you know, it's something I see every year when, whether I'm on trail myself for fun or working on the Appalachian trail is just a total, total lack of um, representation out there. Um, and something that I, I think it's, I think, I personally think is the future of it all is, is to open it up, you know, like instead of sort of this like death grip that like the old white boy club of like holds on these public spaces and, and uh, trails, like, you know, and they're worried about like, Oh, we don't have any young people that, that are like coming along to, to do trail work and volunteer. Oh, you know, it's cause it's cause no one wants to be around you fucking curmudgeons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, like, um, so yeah, I think, I think that that is like a solution to a lot of the problems, uh, out there is, is, you know, is like encouraging, like it's the most important thing. Um, when we talk about conservation and you know, that's a loaded term, but when we, when we start talking about all that kind of stuff, like, um, yeah, I think, I think it's really important. So that's, that's, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be sure to link in the show notes to all the organizations you mentioned too. Thanks. Yeah. Again, I, I just, I'm so glad that you brought that up of like why we're doing this for ourselves. Like if we're not doing it for someone else or if we're not there to help someone else, why are we even getting strong? What's the point, you know? And, um, I just, that's, that struck a chord with me. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting, like a guy like Goggins, you know, it's like he's, you know, I, I've noticed that that term gets thrown around a lot in ultra running. Like a lot of these guys are like, I'm a, I'm a warrior or whatever, you know what I mean? But that's like, you know, it's become such a bastardized like term, you know, especially through the pandemic and stuff where you, you know, everything became so like individual focused, so like internal focused where it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a warrior by like, not getting vaccinated i'm standing up but you know mm -hmm. uh, whereas like whereas like someone in the past that really was strong that really like was a warrior like you know they do it on behalf of of their community of their society you know what i mean so like kept thinking to myself like all of these you know strong people you know that just seem so afraid you know um yeah. are kind of like missing the point of all of that like it's um the kind of sh just shit that goes through my head when I'm running, unfortunately, you know. 
like it's 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 weird because i i guess maybe from you know playing in an anarchist punk band for a long time or whatever but like you know i i i don't think a lot about uh for some reason like the stuff that comes into my head when i'm running the thought process are, are very like socio-political and stuff you know <laughs> it's like i'll be like 200 miles into the moab race and like i'm thinking about like modern fascism you know it's like what i'm thinking about like listening to little peep like thinking about like the end of the world <laughs> you know <laughs> well this maybe kind of leads into our our final question then because um i'd love to get your take on this and we asked this question to all of the uh runners and thank you so much for being on the show what we really appreciate having you but yeah. um what would be your runner's high hmm. Um, I can kind of describe it. I feel like I've reached it, you know, I mean, there's certainly different levels of it, but, uh, you know, there's like that kind of second wind high, you know, that you can get on your daily run where, um, you know, you're kind of like down and out and everything hurts. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's like, it just feels effortless. Uh, there's that kind of runner's high. Um, there's like a clarity of mind that often comes with running um, where you can, um, and I think I first experienced this with through hiking, but it's like, um, you know, we live in such a like, you know, I think you guys probably know the term like attention economy, but it's like, you know, there's so many things like grasping for your attention at all times um, that it makes it hard to really sit with a thought. Um, and, you know, one of the, the coolest things about running and hiking to me is the ability to like have a thought, um, not feel like you have like a time limit to, to like think about that thought, like you can examine it from like all these different like angles and like actually work through stuff in your mind. Um, to me, that's part of the runner's high. Um, but, you know, the first time I really think I, I got like super high, <laughs> was it across the years and uh or you know was able to sustain it was across the years um because it was easier to like feed my physical body but i i kind of came up with the term crystallized running is how i felt where like mm. um you know it's like you're nothing hurts uh you feel like you're floating you're just kind of like soft gazing on the horizon and like hours and hours just go by um you know and and you feel gratitude and you think about the people you love and you and, you know maybe shed a few tears but it's a it's a beautiful thing you know and um that's i i think what i have been pursuing you know is like uh it seems like the more you uh the more you wear down your physical self, like the more raw you become, the easier it is to like access this, this like high, you know? Um, and I think the PCT last summer, like maybe it, it got a little too far out. <laughs> so. Well, Wit, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I, I just- Yeah, thank it, you it guys was... so much, man. So it was a great running conversation. I don't often get to, get to have one like this. So. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's it's inspiring in a lot of different ways. So thank you for sharing all that stuff too. Yeah, I can't wait to get out to LA and go on one of y'all's group runs. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do it.